Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Silence on the air. Always a good sign. See, that's, that's back in back in radio days. That's what we called dead air. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a habit. We made it a game almost at, in college, where if there was any uh, anybody who was operating the board, operating the control board of the studio, and for whatever reason they had stepped out. Mm-hmm. And weren't paying attention, and suddenly there was dead air. Uh, a, a good number of us would yell, "Dead air!" <laughs> that's uh, that's slightly less malicious than the the habit of of corpsing. Corpsing, corpsing, yeah, in theater where you would basically go out of your way to try and make the other person lose it during a performance. Oh yes, oh yes, oh and yes. This is this is not recommended. No, um, you're, you're making someone die on stage. Yeah, yeah. and and <laughs> although it's awfully fun, um, in in that little you know that, that mean spirited mm-hmm. portion of humanity that sits there and creeps out periodically and goes, you know. Yeah, embarrass someone terribly. My father accidentally did that to me one time. <clears throat> uh, we were it was a it was a performance of Blood Spirit mm-hmm. by Noel Coward. Yes, and I was playing Doctor Bradman. Mm-hmm. I it was this was the straight man. Sure, right. Role, and it was my first time on stage in gobs of years. Yeah. I did it on a large. Just why not? And there's a particular line. I, I have I have been brought in, Doctor. Bra- this is the scene where Doctor Bradman has been brought in because the guy is losing it, right? Mm-hmm. So Doctor Bradman is examining him. He comes back in, right? And uh, there's a particular line where I'm quoting mm-hmm. the lead character, who's shouting at nothing. What are you doing in the bathroom? And of course, I deliver the line. You know, he's like, what are you doing in the bathroom? And this is, of course, the, the, the lead actress was giving me visual cues. She was using hand gestures to get me to project my voice because this is not something I've done. Sure, yeah, yeah. So by the time I get to that, I've, I'm full volume, all out. And I say that, and I, it never occurred to me that that was going to be a big laugh. Right. I thought, okay, we'll get a chuckle out of it and we'll keep going. Well, my dad was in the audience, and my dad has a very distinctive laugh. <laughs> and oh, I heard it, and I almost completely broke character because <laughs> I was like, nope, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it. And, and, Dawn, who was on stage with me, she was looking at me, and she was seeing that I was about to to lose it, and she was about to to yeah. lose it. But she'd been doing it for a while, so she could hold it together. And I just I just stayed focused on her. I was like, "Don't lose it, don't lose it." Oh, uh, that is one of the yeah. And I I never went back on stage after that. 
So um, I just finished up. Not my dad's fault, by the way. I, I don't don't get me wrong on that. It's, it's not for everybody. It's not. It's not. It's not an experience that everyone really enjoys. Mm. Uh, I really used to enjoy doing theater. I did it in high school. Did it in college. Had a gap of 19 years in between the college performances and my first performance here in Kansas City, uh, community theater up north. Um, had a. I loved doing the show. I loved working with 90% of the cast. 10% of the cast, however. They'll kill it for you every time. Um, and as much as, as much as I enjoyed the experience overall, um, doing theater is a very time-consuming process. I mean, a lot of rehearsal time. You're playing a lot of... I mean, you just have to. And yeah. you, have to you have to be believable on stage. And, and no matter what role you're playing, whether it's comedy or drama or whatever... Uh, and so it just it just kind of a time demands that I just didn't have the ability to do at the time. Right. And so about, what, six years, seven years go by, and I'm doing this show at Fringe this a, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. At a wonderful time. Um, very interesting series of shows from our friend uh, Bree Henderson, um, who struggled with some medical issues. Uh, she did a one-woman show based on that, which has turned into a series of shows all about uh, basically overcoming uh, embarrassing and somewhat traumatic medical conditions with humor, finding the humor, with the ability to laugh at this stuff. Right. And there, there were just a lot of fun, and there were, it was, it was just a joy to even be asked to participate, but I had a great time doing it. Um, it was a rotating cast, so I wasn't on stage every performance. But the first show I'm on stage, and I have terrible stage fright, I have, always have, it has never gone away. I am like the last five minutes before I hit the stage. It's like, <gasps> oh God, I'm gonna die, <laughs> and then I'm fine. When I hit the stage, everything you know, all that little little mini panic sure. attack goes away. Yeah. And it's just it's just a weird you, thing. You you get focused on the task, and yeah. that's, and that's I mean, the I've, thing to do. I've never lost this, and I hate. I have this. It, it, it's there in auditions. I hate auditions. Blah blah blah. Anyway. So I'm also filming a show um, and working with a cast at a diff for a different show. And the angle of the light from where I'm seated, because we're all on stage the entire show. Right. And so I'm sitting in the second row. And so there's the, the lights are just enough in my eyes that I can't see the audience until I get up and walk up to do my performance, my part of the piece. Because it's all monologues. And there in the, uh, the second row are like three of the cast of the other show. And it's, on one hand, it's great that they've come out to see this show. Sure. They know I'm in it. They know there's a lot of really talented actors in the show. They may not even have been there to see me. It'd be nice if they were there to see me. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because they're there to see the show. Except I had not expected to see them. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are lots... Especially right there in the front. Right. And so I had this moment where my... my is the, the needle scratch moment? You know, sure. Yep. Um, but luckily, um, it's the kind of thing where... Since, it's, since so much of, of you're telling a story to the audience, you're kind of reacting off the audience, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and luckily, I had a, a, there was a podium, a little music stand there, and we were all, we, we, these scripts, the, the, the pieces are all, you have to hit certain beats, there's certain things you have to have in there, but there's a fair amount of us winging it, right? And right. You know, telling the story in our own voice. Um, but there were also, I was hardly the only person there who had either not been on stage for a long time or they were new to being on stage. So there was some, well, there was nervousness in the cast about being able. So we had our scripts with us. It was perfectly fine for us to put our scripts on the podium to have sure. people referring to. Yeah. 
So I put my note, my folder down on the podium and I open it up where this moment is. I got this like frozen moment where I'm like, I wasn't expecting to see them there. And I realized my script is upside down. <laughs> and so it turned into me doing a sight gag with me straightening my script and then realizing now that it's right side up, the pages are out of order. So the, they were, the, the audience was just laughing along as I sat there and I went... <laughs> And it, it came across you looking like it a, into a, a, an a bit. On, it, it's an on-purpose bit. Yeah, I yeah. meant to do that. And, and audi- the audience, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, who was also in the audience, and I couldn't see them, uh, they were in a different angle, I couldn't see that they were there, said that, you know, asked me if this was like a thing that I'd practiced. I mean, that was really funny. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that was me going, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> My script's upside down. It's it's those happy accidents oh, yeah, yeah. that uh, turn into things and i did not even try and repeat it the other nights i was on stage because i knew that if i tried to make it work it would look if, it would look rehearsed now and i did not i deliberately did not make sure to see if my script was right side up when i went up to the podium because if it was that right side if it was upside down again fine mm. but i was like no i i just know that i it just <laughs> it'd be it'd be trying too hard but it was it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed doing theater and we have a lot of friends here in town who who are fantastic stage actors as well as film actors and and one of those we need to to just make a note. Um, uh, all of us here <coughs> want to extend our condolences to Curtis Smith. Uh, his father passed away this week, and uh, we want to just uh, let him know that we're thinking about him. Our 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 prayers are with the family. We love you, Curtis. So uh, Curtis has been a contributor here. He's been on Apocalypse Now. He's been in a bunch of my films. He's a joy to work with. He's, He's a smart, very talented writer. And he performed our wedding ceremony three yes. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's he's still a good uh, person. very good friend of uh, of the team here. So I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to, to throw that out. Um, our topic, uh, well, I, before we get into that, mm-hmm. we must mention our sponsor. Yes, we should do that. SuperheroStuff.com, where you can... Uh, get 10% off your order of any merchandise for your favorite franchise at uh, use the promo code sci-fi for me 10. And we also, if you are so inclined to throw a little bit of money our way, we do have an account set up over on Subscribestar. And as we are broadcasting live right now, uh, the option is there if you if you are in the live chat. Um, one, you can share your thoughts as we go through the conversation sure. and the discussion tonight. Sure, but like. also, uh, the live chat you can you can do what's called a super chat, which is you know you can click on the on the um, little dollar sign button there and and uh, buy us coffee. Buy us coffee. Turn it into a thing. So so there is that. Um, and we're doing a little bit of an experiment tonight. This is episode 191, and it is our first episode being simulcast. We are broadcasting to both our regular YouTube channel live and also to our Twitch channel live. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I ran across Doug Tenable, who's a, a comic book artist. He's got a, a, a project on Indiegogo right now called uh, Earthworm Jim that mm-hmm. he's doing. is based on a video game character that he created. Um, he started experimenting because YouTube 
has done away with Google Hangouts on air. All right. Which yeah. a lot of the YouTubers, if they were doing anything online with any kind of online discussions, they were using Hangouts on air to dial everybody into the call and everybody's there online. Sure. Well, Google just decided we're not going to do that anymore. So that tool is taken away from mm -hmm. YouTube creators. So now everybody is scrambling for various different options and figuring these things out. Now, of course, sure, we sure. use we use OBS as our broadcast software and then through YouTube or through Twitch or wherever right, we tell right. where to go. Well, there's this thing that I discovered through Doug's channel called Restream, mm -hmm. which basically allows us to send the send the signal to Restream, and then Restream can distribute it to oh, okay. YouTube and Twitch. And, and as I understand it, we can go to up to 30 channels. We don't have 30 We don't have 30 channels. No. Um, I'm not sure what we would do with 30 channels. I know, right? <laughs> it's bad enough how many we got now. Um, but anyway, so we're experimenting with that. So if you're watching on YouTube, if you want to jump over on Twitch and see if that looks any better, see how that looks and sounds, or if you're on Twitch, you want to see we're on YouTube, we're going to try this tonight and see what happens. If this becomes cool. a thing, mm -hmm. then I think we'll do this on the regular. I've been told from a couple of different people that podcasts and talk programs like ours do fairly well on Twitch. So we're, we're going to give it a, a shot. We're going to sure, why not? So can't hurt anything. It can't hurt. Right. You know what has hurt? What's that? The Disney Fox deal. The there's there's some interesting things going on. Oh, I tell uh, you, Disney's Disney's feeling the feeling the burn off of that one. I think I, there. I'm wondering if Bob Iger might be sitting there going, you know, maybe we ought to rethink this. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure he's sitting there and listening to the dollar signs roll in. Because um, 170 million less than what they projected to get based on the on on the the purchase. I, but for now, but the how long is that going to last? Well, I don't know. I mean, I well, mean, it's not going to last at all because uh, Disney has pretty much killed the entire Fox development slate. Yeah, they said, you know. Uh, we don't want to do Mouse Guard because it's too much like a Disney film. Um, and then, oh, hey, here's this here's this X-Men movie thing called Dark Phoenix that tanked at the box office. Um, we're just going to scrap your entire slate. Gone. Yeah. Gone. It's... They're only keeping... Um, let's see. We've got Avatar 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. Um, Fear Street 2 and 3, possibly. Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. Right, right. The Bob's Burgers movie. Really? Garfield. Mm. And Z, which is a reboot of the Zorro movies, which I had not heard that they were doing. Um, that could be fun if they do it right. Maybe. Um, and then, then we have uh, the ones that are currently, that are about to be released. We've got Ad Astra, which is a Brad, the Brad Pitt astronaut movie. Right. The King's Man, which is the Kingsman's prequel. Right. Uh, the Woman in the Window, Underwater, Judy, which is uh, the Judy Garland mm -hmm. right. movie. Yeah. Terminator Dark Fate. Right. Ford versus Ferrari. Call of the Wild, which is an animated picture. Sure. 
The New Mutants is still on this list, but I don't <laughs> okay. I don't think that the New Mutants is going to get released. I really I, I, don't. No, I if think it does, it'll, it goes straight to home video. It'll, it'll get released, but it'll drop to VOD or, or whatever. Yeah. Free Guy. Unless it's really, really good, and someone in the Disney sits there and goes, guys, what's wrong with you? Let's put this thing out. Oh, give it enough, give it enough breath in between it and Dark Phoenix. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Spielberg's West Side Story, Fear Street, something called Nimona Animated Magical Fantasy. Uh, Avatar 2, Avatar 3, Avatar 4. Um, yeah, the Avatar movies. But the list of films that were in development at mm-hmm. one stage or another, whether it was just, okay, we've got a script or we've got a concept or we're in pre-production or whatever, Fox had... 276 projects in development. Now, what's interesting about this is that this is something that we see anytime a new head of a studio comes in. We have seen over and over and over again, they have scrapped whatever was being developed by their predecessor. Right. This is that writ large. So if you are looking at things and going, so-and-so came in and, and he was like, well, I don't want to do this dumb film and they kill it. You know, this film you've been waiting for, you're getting all this buzz about is suddenly dead in the water. This is it on the scale of 200 titles. Yeah, or... Oh, sorry about that. Um, Or you have, like, in the case of John Carter, Mm -hmm. where it's so far along in production when the new guy comes in... You can't kill it, but you can You can't kill it, it. but you can't do anything about it. And they marketed it wrong, and they killed it anyway. But, um, yeah. And, you know, and, and as much as you and I are champions of that film... You know, the fact is, is that if it had been marketed well and had not gotten a sequel or had not done well at the box office, that would be a different story. Right. And we've seen that happen with the films. You know, there's all kinds of films that I've really, really liked. Dark City is is one of the best science fiction films of the last 20 years, 20, 30 years. I'm not even, how, when did that come out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, but But it did not do well at the box office. It picked up its audience... You know, once people like, you know, the the film critics actually kept talking it up. When Roger Ebert turned it into one of its analyze it frame by frame things, when right. it did well on DVD and, and video, you know, that's, you know, just because something is good doesn't mean it gets the reception it deserves. But I'm looking at this list and there's, there's a list published over on Reddit, uh-huh. which has all of them. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm seeing a lot of genre stuff. Oh yeah, I'm um, a lot. Um, let's see. I'm just going to sh- scroll through here. A People's History of the Vampire Uprising. Oh, that could be interesting. That sounds cool. It sounds like there a vampire a version of the the real World War Z. There was a script. Uh, Alienology. All the world is staged. That kind of sounds like Truman Show type yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is not what you think it is. Part. An X to an X to grind. Um, Ascension, Assassin's Creed 2, that's dead. Uh, no, no great loss there, sorry. Atlantis, um, Boston Strong, is that, was that one of the, is that one of the, the bombing movies, the marathon movies? I believe so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so that one's dead. Um, Brad Cutter ruined my life again. Well, that sounds like you know what that sounds like. That sounds like that one, uh, John. What's a man should die. 
and it was that comedy about the guy the guy who became a target for all of the girls that he'd been dating that none of them oh, knew right, about right, it. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, John, yeah. what was it? John something? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. We, okay. You know what I'm I know the film you're talking about. about. I'm not sure about. what the title is. Um, bumper to Bumper, The Secret Lives of Cars. Uh, Carousel, Charlie Chan, Chronicle 2, which... No surprise. Yeah, Chronicle what's Chronicle going on Two. With John, uh, Josh Trank. Well, but even um, so, I mean, I, some of these, some th- something like Chronicle Two. What do you What do you do with it? Well, why Why don't you do it five, within five years of the first one coming out? If you're not doing it within five years, yeah, what's the point? it's you're really. Yes, you can come back to this material years and years later. You can get away with it, but. Um, what What am, What are you asking me to do? Huh? I'm. I'm, I'm, I can't be seen properly. It's okay. You know, I, I'm, I do look better on radio. We're, we're making adjustments here on, on <laughs> but making adjustments on a, on that shot right there. Look at that shot. That's just a gorgeous shot. See, see look at that shot. We're going head to head. Sure. Now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, some, some of that stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, mm. would I, uh, well, especially after, especially after Fantastic Four. Yeah. You're not getting a, Chronicle 2 was not happening after Fantastic here's, Four. Here's one called Endgame. Well, yes. Uh, just, that one just came out. What's the, what are you talking about? Uh, and a lot of these didn't even get to the script phase. They they got optioned, and that yeah, was yeah, and yeah. so well. If and, the options lapse. They could show up at another production company, right? And just because a film has been optioned does not mean it goes to production. Just so you know, a lot of many many authors will tell you yeah. that they have a lovely option, and they're like. And then it expired, yeah. and I got another lovely option, a different studio, and F- then it Father, expired. Here's Father Knows Best, which might or might not be a remake, a reboot of the thing. Fathom, which I think might be the comic book from Dynamite. Oh. Is it Dynamite? Di- it's, yeah, I think Fathom. it's Dynamite. Um, but yeah, no, that's that wouldn't be... Final Orbit, Flash Gordon... It got to the treatment stage. That'll uh, roll back. Well, a Flash Gordon, another Flash Gordon film will roll back around. Yes. Well, it actually is because, or wait. So you've got Taika Waititi attached to a new animated Flash Gordon. Right, right, right. I, I wonder if that's what this is or if this one made room for that one. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Girlfriend in a Coma. There's um, a song in there somewhere. <laughs> Here's one called Groom, which I will say I have a short film called The Bride and the Groom. So it's probably a good thing that this one got killed <laughs> because we don't want people mistaking one for the other, right? <laughs> My short film, The Bride and the Groom, as it happens, is the very first film credit on IMDb for Catherine McNamara, who's now on Arrow. Right. Was the star of Shadowhunters, who just won, I think, a Teen Choice Award for Best Actress. Mm -hmm. So, congratulations to her. Um, Hitman 2, Eh. How to Talk to Girls. That well, just... that's a bit late. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I'm going to use that film. Um, <laughs> it would have been a very short film. <laughs> How to talk to girls. Uh, 
Um, kindergarten. Uh, so heroes. funny story. Every single every single girlfriend I've ever had uh, has at one point looked at me and said, "If I had to wait on you." Uh huh. <laughs> Here's one. This one's marked development unknown. King Kong. Which that's got to circle back around because it, as part of the big slate of everything that we've that we're getting in the Godzilla Kong right right stuff, the Godzilla versus Kong is still in yeah, still it, coming yeah, out March it's coming out next March yeah so I mean yeah it would have been so it would have to be something that they're that they're working on I would expect right somebody so, I mean, yeah, it's, it'll on. be it'll come back around uh let's see. But of course, we haven't just seen this with the Disney thing. We've seen it with with uh, Magic well, the Gathering, mm. which is probably not a bad thing that it went away. Magic given... the Gathering almost is. I mean, as much as the technology is now there to do it right, the thing is, is that some of its target audience. Well, there's that, but there's also the fact that there has been such controversy yeah, around too. the game. In but the you look last at some, of, you look at some of this gaming stuff, some and, of this gaming yeah. stuff and video game stuff. I mean, aside from the nostalgia quotient for some of these things, which we talked about before, um, there's a window for for doing an adaptation of something like this is when that thing is hot. Oh I mean, no! And some of this stuff had had a much bigger footprint in the world than it does now. What? My life is now in shambles. <sighs> Mindy, you're going to have to pick him up, hold him up, make sure that he doesn't go to pieces here. Nah. <laughs> she says no, for those of you who couldn't hear. A canceled, a canceled project on the Fox development slate. The Play-Doh movie. I'm devastated. What type of Play-Doh? Like Play-Doh. Like Play-Doh. Plato, not not Plato and Socrates. Plato. I'm actually surprised we have not gotten the Weebles movie yet. Now, see that that could work if you do it as an animated kids picture. Sure, why not? <laughs> We've got a Play School movie. The Play School movie just came out, or sure. is about to come out. I can't remember what the release date is. I, I read a uh, I read a review of it. The Weebles meet the Wiggles. That's the sequel. Is that what that is? The Weebles Down Under. Meet the Wiggles. <laughs> right? Sure, why not? <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've seen we've seen things Deli like... Fruit Salad. Um, when, when, you know, Netflix gave up the Marvel properties because Disney's going to have their own have their own platform. Mm-hmm. They don't need Netflix. Now, Netflix, the, the Netflix model was kind of the only game in town for a while there. Yeah. They're not. Everybody else is doing their own thing. So how successful, when everybody else siphons that stuff off Netflix, how well Netflix does in the grand scheme of things is a good question. Because the 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 dynamic has changed. The, the landscape changes. And sometimes you find yourself, you know, no matter how successful or how much everybody has been, you're the place that people go to, when the market changes, suddenly you can go away, blockbuster video. Video stores in general, yeah. But blockbuster video—I mean, they dominated the market. Uh, you know, the 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 everything can come out from underneath you. But you look at shows. I mean, there was there was still life in the Marvel Netflix TV shows. They had some missteps. There was no one was debating that. Yeah. But you certainly had you know a well-written season of another, a you know a, a, a shorter maybe well-written season of of Luke Cage, which was two thirds really great television. Except for that, you know, the point where it sort of spun its wheels for a few episodes. Yeah. 
and I think, really solid programming. And I have to wonder if that's a, if that's a Netflix. <clears throat> Excuse me. If that's a Netflix decision, that it must be thirteen episodes. That's or a good question. if that's a discussion back and forth between Netflix and Marvel and say, okay, we want to do, we want to do 13 because package, 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 here's yeah. how we do it. Um, whereas, you know, you do something like uh, The Mandalorian, which is going to go to Disney Plus, I think is only going to be, what, 10 episodes, 12 yeah, episodes? Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of British programming runs the 8 to 10 episode yeah. um, model and a lot Unless of British... Sherlock. Well, yeah, but if four. you well, but if you break it up into individual hours, yeah, that's it, true. It kind of it kind of falls into the same sort of format. But the American the American tendency because we remember when we used to have twenty six episodes in a season. I was talking to James about that the other 26. day because we were talking uh, we were talking about he was asking him about where where the mid season finale came from mm. because we were talking about the uh, crisis on infinite earths. Right, about to be a thing, and uh, he was. We were talking about that. He's, you know, it's going to be three episodes in December, and then two episodes in January. And there's that split. He says, right. well, you know, they're doing this mid-season thing." I was like, "Yeah." I said, "The mid-season finale didn't used to be a thing." Right. It's like, well, why, why, where did that come from? So we're talking about that, and then we got to talking about, you know season finales and cliffhangers and the season Reruns. goes from September to May and then in summer it's dead and you have to wait. And when Riker said, Mr. Worf, fire. There was three there months. Was, you know, how many how many hundreds of thousands of people collectively screamed at that time and well, went, ah! Three months and the internet was not right. the yeah, thing. No, there wasn't a thing. Uh, so yeah, it was three months of, of just wait. Well, and, and of course the model is so much different now. When you look at a show, when you consider how much money a show like Next Generation was actually spending to do that many episodes a season. Yeah. And you look at what they're doing now, Game of Thrones, there's no way you could do 22 episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, no. With, no, no without just, you know, a season without just murdering everyone. I mean, the cast would be, the cast would be just dead on their feet the the special effects part would be just suicidal <laughs> well i mean you wouldn't have you wouldn't have the dragons no not no. until the season finale when they be can one spend episode the extra of the dragons all yeah. of the budget is on the dragons right. and you'd have at least two bottle episodes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> at least <laughs> at least and a flashback episode yes yeah, because you got to have your clip. You because, have your clip show. Because because if you're if you're young enough to not really know what we're talking about here, that's okay because you didn't miss out on the episode where. Okay, come on, name one good bottle and one good flashback episode. Bottle episodes can be good. They're bottle episodes. Bottle, bottle episodes, episodes can you, be good. You trapped people in an elevator, um, and you can have good drama and entertainment depending on the formatting. But flashback, a clip, a clip, it's a clip episode is what it was called. Not a yeah. flashback, it was called a clip episode. Um, um, and I, I honestly, and maybe, maybe you can think of one, but I cannot think of a single clip episode that wasn't just, I have a hole to fill in the schedule and we don't have another script. Quick, you <laughs> splice know, together 10 minutes of content and a, now and that a bunch I'm, of Now clips. that I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't recall... I know I've seen clip episodes. I know some of the shows that I've watched have had them. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't remember them because they're not memorable. No, they're not. They're 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 not. They're 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 literally the example of the word filler. Yeah, and and that's really what they're for. <laughs> they're actually there to keep you. There's actually they're they're there to fill a hole in the schedule, in a full fill a hole in the story. Um, they've got a break for whatever reason. Somebody's shooting schedule wouldn't allow them to do you know yeah. whatever the thing was. Now that's just not a thing that happens. You just don't have it. But realistically, if you have, you know, like The Walking Dead well, it does what, 16 episodes a season? Something like that. And yeah. and when you consider, you know, if you've ever listened to Zompocalypse Now, plug for, for the, the show, um, you can definitely tell when, when Dustin and I have watched an episode that is just, and this was an episode that was there. It was there because there was a hole for an episode and they put this one in it. Yep. Because, it, and, and you still see that with 16 episodes. Of a show that, while expensive to make, is not compared to a lot of these other shows that expensive to make. Yeah. Um, and you run into some of this stuff where I mean, you couldn't do, you wouldn't do, say, Star Trek Discovery or another big budget science fiction show with more than you know twelve, sixteen episodes. You just you can't afford to at this point. I think it would depend With on your what kind budget. of show that you're going to do. If, you, if you're doing something that's special effects heavy, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were to do something like Alien Nation, maybe not so much. You could get 16, 18 but episodes. But honestly, at this point, I would, I would be happy for a, a sequel to Alien Nation in the same continuity or a, a quality you a want, quality. You want a, sequel, you want a sequel to the movie or you want a sequel to the s- series? The series, Okay. I like the movie. Don't don't misunderstand. So bring Gary Graham back yeah. and uh, who played who's who played uh, <sighs> Sam in the? I don't remember. Eric Pierpont. Eric is that is that who it was? Is that who it was? Because um, Mandy Patinkin played him in the in the movie. Right. Yeah. And we posted. I I did, and I still got a couple of epi- a couple of interviews. That I still got to post for our Starlog thing. But I I po- I finally got to uh, got around to posting the interview I did with Cardiangelo. Right. And he talks about the set visit that he did mm-hmm. on Alien Nation, the movie. <clears throat> and he gets there, and uh, these set visits generally are, uh, back in those days, you go around and you follow everybody all day. Right. And you spend some time with the actors, and you spend some time with, with the crew, and you talk to the director, and you talk to the production designer, and you talk to the art director, and yada, yada, yada. Which is how you get four or five-page yeah, articles get, you know, in yeah. Starlog. And he sat with James Caan, mm-hmm. who did not want to be there, and did not want to talk. Now, what kind of stupid question is that? That type of thing. He was clearly very frustrated. James Caan had a long history of not liking being interviewed. Well, and then and then turns out um, he he goes to Mandy Patinkin, and Mandy Patinkin is flustered and frustrated and upset and angry. And it, he said at one point he was banging on the table because Mandy Patinkin got told, and both of them had signed up to this movie because Patinkin's character was going to be called George Jetson. <laughs> and Hanna Barbera would not let them use the the character's name, so he ended up being called Sam Francisco or something, right, yeah. whatever, right? Something, something like. And and Patinkin was so angry that he wasn't George Jetson. And 
James Khan had checked out because they the 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 general idea that I got from talking with with Carr was that they were both sold a bill of goods and they were doing a movie that wasn't what they were right what yeah. they were pitched to begin with. Um, you know, and that's how, a, that's however, that movie turned out. That's very a frustrating experience when you cannot walk away because of a contract. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the movie being what it is, mm-hmm. good or bad, whatever. But it, you know you got the you got the series that came out of it. Uh, Gary Graham took James Caan's role. I think Eric Pierpont. I don't know. Yeah, Oops. Um, George Francisco. George Francisco. Pierpont, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Eric Pierpont. Now they changed they changed the name for the for the series. Right. I believe. Because I think he was San Francisco in the I enjoyed in the I enjoyed the, 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 the series. And I think that the series is something you could actually pick up because it actually had... That's, that's the kind of show that doing a reboot of or a sequel to... I think you could do the sequel. You I could think just you could pick the, up I, I would, and, and... I would like to see, see that. But what, I think you could, what are things like 30 years later? But I also think you could reboot it with a new version of those kinds of characters. Maybe not necessarily those characters, but pick right. it up in a different city or something where you could actually do that sort of thing where, I mean, it's, it's got a that recall. kind of... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually the kind of format that could work. And not only that, it's an interesting concept. There was when V was on the air, mm-hmm. the the miniseries. The, go, um, the good one? The or good the, or the... The good. Subsequent to the miniseries, there were a series of books. Yeah, Howard uh-huh. Weinstein and right. Crispin, there were a number of books that, that came out. Mm-hmm. And they picked up what was happening in other cities. Right, yeah, they, Weinstein, were, they were good Weinstein series. Weinstein did one in New York. Um, there was one set in Chicago, yeah. because the series, the miniseries that we had was was all in L.A. Right. Except for the beginning part where they were at the U.N. and then sure. and then stuff. But then you had, here's the Chicago movement. Here's the mm-hmm. here's the the you know one in Los Angeles, one one in New York. So you got to see different aspects of that story played out mm-hmm. in right. in a broad sense. And I think it would have been interesting to see. Something like that on TV, where if you had a series, and I've even thought about this for Star Trek, mm-hmm. where you do a, you do an anthology, right? Where you're not necessarily following the same crew on the same ship for 10, 12, 15 well, episodes think, think, or six seasons or whatever. I think they're you exploring a little bit of that with like the short treks thing that, that yeah, they've been doing with Discovery. So you're bit. able to branch out a little bit more, which I think that which I think is a nice thing. And I think that because you can actually do it in a small bite format, yeah. you don't necessarily you can test it. Yeah, you can see it there and go, Oh, people really like this. Let's see what let's yeah. see you know, maybe we do six episodes or something. If if anybody is hearing um, a little tragic dog um, <clears throat> senior office dog is rather pathetically pacing the floor um, because junior office dog, I believe, has found a lap. And senior office dog, senior office dog is jealous. Yes. I think. Because they both like Mindy more than I do. I, it was funny. They both when, like Mindy more than you do? Is that what you just than, said? <laughs> That's what you just said. You realize We're going to have that. a conversation. <laughs> they both like Mindy. They both like Mindy. They both like Mindy more than they like me. There we go. Um, and, and this can be demonstrably proven because whenever I come home, mm-hmm. the men pin comes out and goes, oh, it's you. And goes in the house, whereas 
when she comes home, the men pin is all, <gasps> you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home, I've got to live. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And right. she's all over and, and all excited and she's not going to starve and she hasn't been abandoned to her fate. And, oh, thank you, thank you, thank right. you. I'm rescued, I'm saved. Please and she's it. like this for, I don't know, a good half hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas with me, oh, you're home. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is fine, because I'd, I'd rather not have this tiny little horse crawling over my head, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, so okay, back to back to the original point here. Which, uh, <laughs> well, and, and some of this came out of I was looking at some stuff today that the the TV show the OA, yes, the OA got canceled. The OA got canceled. Um, and and it had two seasons. Critically, it was doing pretty well. And um, we did mention this on Good Morning Multiverse this past Saturday, right? And this was an out of the blue announcement, right? This was a no one would know. There was like, and they and they have not really explained what the rationale was for canceling it. Um, what I read, um, and I can't remember if this was Deadline or if it was uh, Variety, was well, I mean, not not that it's any different because Deadline and Variety are the same thing anymore. Um, you don't know Variety bought Deadline, right? I, I believe. Okay, I all right, yeah, that. Variety bought Deadline. So the the story that I read was that Netflix is starting to feel a little bit of the crunch mm-hmm. of the dollar not yeah. going as far as they anticipated. Well, because they don't have, they're not the only game in town. And you're comparing, you have to, you, they're basically doing a cost-benefit analysis of the, you know, the, the return on investment. Sure, right. We're putting this much money into a show and it's X season and how many people are watching the show is it worth the money that we're putting into it based on viewership right so they're doing all of that with all of their shows and yeah. so a number of shows are not making it past the second or third but season. I believe there's it's very been, much like sci-fi yeah, but I believe there's no like official announcement to you know the reasons why the reasons yeah. why and there's even there's this rumor mill going on right now among the fans that this is actually part of a because the, the the spoiler alert for the end of the second season, it's a show about crossing over into different realities, and they end up in ours. They land in a world where they are actors in a TV show, <clears throat> and okay. and so there are people who are sitting there going, "Uh huh, can't he move, folks? You've told us the show is canceled because it's now it's set in the real world, ah. and so the next season will be set in the real world." Because the TV show's been canceled. It's like, okay, that on one hand would be nifty. That's clever. That's very clever. That's very clever. And if they do it, fantastic. It's not going to happen. If they I mean, I were to do that. Stunned. If they were to do that, it would have to be so carefully executed. Oh, planned yeah. and executed. Because it could backfire oh god yes. badly oh it, back, it, back, it, it would be huge a huge back potential for backfire on the other hand um nifty idea though it is the odds are extremely poor that this has in fact happened this would not be the first really interesting tv show <laughs> he just this sounds so dog. pathetic it's just so sad alfie come here 
Come here, you sad, sad little dog. Come here. <laughs> you don't want my lap? See? 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 Here, he doesn't even, <laughs> doesn't even Alfie, want to be in my lap. Oh, now, now Junior off his dog's lap. Oh, like, oh, there we go. Somebody's talking to the other dog. Poor little Let dog. Me it's I, okay. Yeah, right. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. So, but you know, you look at so you look at some of these shows where now our viewership is going to go up because there's a dog on set. Mm -hmm. The you know just because you like a show doesn't mean it's not going to get canceled. Yeah. We've, you know, there's the his television is littered with the corpses. Well, genre especially. Genre especially. I mean, you know, really if anything, there was a time uh, not too long ago. Oh, yeah. When if there was a series that was on sci-fi, <laughs> after it was a sci-fi channel. Now, now this there's a there's a clear delineation here. Sure, the sci-fi channel had a tendency to stick to things. Mm -hmm. They they stayed with a show. Stargate SG One is a really good ex right. example of that. Excuse me. After they changed their brand to sci-fi, not so much. You know, we, this this we, is also the period where they basically decided that we were going to, that wrestling was science fiction. Yeah, you know it. it fiction, <sighs> yes. Fiction, yes. Science fiction, it's definitely if, theater, but it's not science fiction. If they had been wrestling aliens, if they could have gotten away if with. If the it. Borg had been wrestling the Cylons, I would have watched it. Exactly. Yes. Vulcans, Vulcans That's versus zombies. That's I mean, not any of fiction. Things. You but, could you could argue that's nominally horror. But there was but a point where if it was on sci-fi, no. everybody had gotten pretty much gotten to the point we had all gotten conditioned to not get into a show get attached. because it's going to die. The fact the that Battlestar Galactica season. Battlestar Galactica lasted as long as it did. Yeah, it was, was that was an outlier. Stunning. That was an outlier. But I think if it had not won a Peabody award, yeah. Then it probably would not have had as much uh, uh, length to it. Now their current crop of programming, they have recovered to some degree, um, where they just started paying attention. I mean things like Winona Earp and some of these other shows where they mm -hmm. basically sat there and said, you know, because the whole the whole uncertainty of Winona Earp coming back was not because Sci-Fi didn't want to have it on there. Yeah, no, actually Sci-Fi has even uh, paid. Uh, Better than expected. They're they're actually voluntarily paying a higher licensing fee to help make sure that season four actually gets into production. Because it's a good show. So, and it's unfortunate when you when you run into something like that because it would be very very easy. Because Winona Earp is an odd TV show. Mm -hmm. It's very odd. It's very funny. It's got some fantastic characters, but it is not quote unquote standard. TV, right? Yeah. Whatever that means anymore. That doesn't mean that it, it used to mean a thing. Then when, when it's it's kind of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Western for grownups. For grownups, I mean, it's yeah. it's definitely got an adult sensibility, and the cast is, um, what? Oh, the the, the dog rearranged, the, the reframed me. The camera, yes. Um, but it's also it's also the kind of show where you get invested in the characters because the performances are so good. Yeah. And so, if the fact that it's gotten it's coming back for a fourth season is is great, but it also would have been a place where every single season they've given you can tell when they get to the final episode, mm -hmm. they're sitting there going, "Okay, if we don't come back, yeah. we have an ending." 
We 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 are not dumb. We are gonna we're gonna make sure we have an ending here. I would not be surprised to see Winona Earp the TV series outlive IDW as a publisher. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised either. But the creative IDW team, the is... creative team from the comic, will take it away. They'll they'll go elsewhere with it. I mean, it will it'll it'll come back. So. Where do you think it would land? Maybe Dynamite, or you think mm. they'd crowdfund it and start doing it on their own? Possibly, because that's a thing now. Is Boom still around? Boom is still Boom's around. Boom still around. Dyna- you got Boom. You got Dynamite. You got Image. You got IDW. You got, Boom, isn't um, Boom doing some some Oni Press um, um, licensed material now? <sighs> Boom's doing a little bit. I I, want to say that I saw something with Boom. But I mean, IDW's got a lot of the licenses. Yeah. IDW's even doing license with Marvel. Yeah, that's true. Which is weird. But I mean, you look at something like that, and and you consider how how lucky you are, if you're a fan of Winona Earp, to have three seasons of the show. Mm. When you consider that it's, it's running on a network which is known for killing shows. Um, And then you look at something like, say, you know, uh, uh, the OA getting two seasons it's an odd concept yeah. it's not you know but then you look at something like um, uh, oh okay you know we talked about we talked about the show Awake before we got mm, what, yes, one on season ABC. which could have I mean it was so well written and so well done and if it had come out now just a few short years later yeah. I think we would have got a second season I think so um there was another one that was not exactly like that, but it was it was almost like um, like a modern day, uh, like an updated version of Quantum Leap. It was called Journeyman. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, he was a newspaper guy. And he was oh, jumping back and forth. One season. One season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Life on Mars. Now was another on- one. Now it got an ending. We got yeah, an ending to but it. I mean, honestly, if you're but we do, got an ending because it got canceled. I would say if you're if you enjoyed Life on Mars, go back to the original British show. Go back to the, go back to the, to the 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 first run of the British show. The se- the sequel is a different flavor. The second season, the yeah. second series, yeah. Um, but the first season, uh, if you're a fan of, oh, I've just drawn a blank on his name. He played the master in uh, the David Tennant Doctor Who era. Um, he's the lead. Jacoby. No, no, Derek, not, not Derek not, Jacoby. Not Derek Jacoby, the younger. Um, Ham? John Ham? Uh, uh, no, not John Ham. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the internet. To the internet. But anyway, he uh, he was the lead in that. Um, and it is a... Isn't Colm Meany in the, in the British version? No. I don't think he was. Although, Life on Mars, the, the difference in how... British actors view television and film and stage as this interchangeable thing where they move from one to other, one to right. the other. Very, you know, British. The British entertainment industry is much more based on theater, and then everything comes out of theater, whether it's film and TV. So there's a whole lot of crossing over in between yeah. that we're seeing more. Because over a long time, a lot of American movie stars were like, television. Why would I go so low? And now it's like. I get a TV series? Yes. You Wait, know. you want me to do a voiceover for Walmart? The concept is um, the concept is much more acceptable. But so there were two series, there were sixteen episodes, two series of the show, two complete beginning, middle, and end seasons, and they were done. They yeah. had told their story. They were you know sixteen episodes, and they were out. 
This is a very British model that American audiences um, still are not getting. Where it's like you know, get there uh, was there was a uh, a, a show. Um, it was a British show. Survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you had the survivors of a of a catastrophe of some sort. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, I think it was a, a plague or something, some devastating event. I believe it was a yeah. And they tried to bring it back. Mm-hmm. They tried to do a remake, and I got I got the first season on DVD. Yeah. The remake. I, I've got the originals. I've got the first season. I thought the, this 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 remake is is nowhere near as good. Yeah. The production value is better, of course, because you got more money going into it. But it is not near as good a show, mm-hmm. just from execution and craft yeah. and story. You know, it's you know, wait. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean he's dead? You're wait. You're killing him off. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. There are stakes in this show, and and nowadays you wouldn't have that. Your mm-hmm. star is going to stay in there for however long, and then and then go. Um, I'm getting a look. You have a question. I have a question. Well, you have a microphone if you're going to ask a question so everybody else can hear the question. Speak your question to us, miss. Well, I'm Mrs. curious. Yes, I'm she's a Mrs. Mrs. Get it right. Uh, no, she's your Mrs. I can still call <laughs> her Miss. She's still a Mrs. <laughs> yeah. I'm young enough, right? Uh, so what's your question? So my question is this. You're talking about these cancellations, these shows that, you know, like the OA that gets two and then they're done mm-hmm. or why uh why on earth now with that that's a every week a show is released type right or because i don't want well it. yeah winona earth was is is a weekly because it's, it's on the network it's okay a, it's a network where show. the oa is a here's it's the whole season boom binge yeah yeah when mm-hmm. it comes to two questions for you one see would you prefer <laughs> one would you prefer it would you prefer having the season released and then two weeks later, like the Marvel shows, oh, by the way, that was the end of it. And there's not really the finish because they filmed it all together at one go, maybe, I guess. Right. Where with a network show where you find out, even though there's so many episodes and they're still kind of finishing up, you know, maybe filming what's coming in May, that it's been canceled where they have a chance to finish it. So interesting. But at the Firefly. same question. Firefly, yeah. But at the same time, well, you have these yeah. fans who go out there and go crazy and things get canceled and uncanceled. Do shows that have the, here it is, and two weeks later, you're canceled, have a better chance versus network every week shows i don't know um so it's interesting because some of this stuff comes down to that some in some cases there is nothing that fan response can do as much as it, as much as it pains me considering we've had some there's been six successes some successes yeah, some. with fans you know pl- saying we want this show and star Demon- trek star trek yeah. was like that star trek um, was saved by jericho Got another season. Jericho, Cagney and Lacey. Some Not a genre shows. thing, but Cagney and Lacey got saved. Some of these way. things got saved by fan responses. However, the problem is, is that some of these things come down to, run into like the merger thing again, um, where, say for example, Swamp Thing, right? Critically, the film, the, the TV show has been doing great. 
Yeah, fan responses have been. This is great. Yeah, there's been like this. Uh, the biggest, the only episode that has come under significant criticism was the finale of the season, and the biggest criticism was they had to cram. They tried to cram the end of their story into a and this this, this space that they didn't have room for, and that's not their fault because they don't get to make any more. Yeah. And so they tried. I mean, they did, they did, made a good faith effort to give the fans of the show a conclusion, but ran into the fact that there's only so many minutes in an hour, right? Well, and Constantine. Constantine, Constantine yeah. ran into that, where you had um, a change in lead actress, mm-hmm. which necessitated a complete change in all of the story from a certain point forward. Right. And I remember at the time there was talk, uh, there was a lot of talk back and forth, when they first introduced Zed's character. Yeah. And she was doing these things in these stories that were not consistent with Zed. And yeah. people were like, well, wait, what's this? And then they started telling Zed's actual story from the comics. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, okay, here we go. I, here we go. Yeah. And the speculation at the time was, we've got these scripts. Right. Yeah. There's the girl. Throw Zed into it, and we rework it until we can get because because Zed's story didn't start until I don't know five or six episodes yeah, in, yeah, yeah. and m- m- I suspect that probably what happened was oh okay we've got Zed oh we should tell Zed's story and they started writing mm-hmm. those scripts but in the meantime let's do these because this is what we've got. Um, Star Trek: The Next Generation ran into that, and in, I think what the second season there was the writer strike. Right. We have these scripts. We're going to shoot these scripts, and we can't change them because we don't have any writers because they're all on strike. But we're going to shoot these scripts and let the chips fall where they may. Right. Um, With some some less than stellar results. Now you look at something like Constant, something like Constantine, where it also ran into the neither fish nor fowl uh, yeah. problem, which is constant the the Hellblazer, which is the proper name of the show. Uh, if done, dear. DC, dear Warner <laughs> Brothers, when next adapting this for uh, film or television, remember that the name of the comic is Hellblazer, and how to pronounce the name. Yeah, and don't and don't worry about running afoul the people who think that it should you know get confused with Hellraiser. Um, they'll see a preview and they'll tell he'll be able to tell it. The blonde guy, the the hard drinking blonde guy, chain smoking yeah. is not Pinhead. But um, <laughs> I I still want to see Captain Marvel get his name back. I want to see, dear comic book creators, dear 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 companies that own comic book uh, characters that are using them for for film and television, um, work out the legal ridiculousnesses like this. I mean, come on, just license the use of the word of the of the title DC's Captain Marvel. You can have DC's Captain Marvel and Marvel's Captain Marvel, and they can exist in the same well, given marketplace. That, given that Marvel Studios makes everything Marvel's fill-in-the-blank. Exactly. I mean, why not? That's that's what they do now. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's uh, sure. uh, Cloak and Dagger, Marvel's this, Marvel's that, Marvel's X, Marvel's But you look y. at something like Cloak and Dagger, which is, a, which is a show that I think if they tried to... It's it's getting another season. Yes, and it's getting a crossover with 
Runaways on Hulu. Yeah, so you've got which this is also on Marvel. Yeah, Marvel's Runaways. You get to, you Hulu. get to do. I mean, luckily, in some cases, this this expanded marketplace for this sort of thing benefits shows like Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. And uh, Dustin was telling me that Runaways, the TV show, is. Um, it's it's kind of like his his problem with a TV show is kind of like my problem with the TV show The Rook. The name mm. is the name's on there, but it's not it's not the content you're right. expecting. And sometimes that can work out. Whereas you know, I think The Rook is a, at least an interesting TV show. They're going to show like Lucifer, which is not a great adaptation of the comic book, but it's a very entertaining show. Or Keanu Reeves's Constantine, which is a very entertaining movie. But then part of that is Peter Stamari playing Satan. <laughs> because he's just so odd. Yeah. And it's so much like... Isn't Dina Meyer in that movie, too? I don't think she is. I don't know. To the internet. She she died poorly in, in one of the Saw movies for no, no good reason except to well, establish she that... Well, was, because she was a Batgirl in Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Born, yeah. born, did, did very well in there. Yeah, she pretty good Oracle. She was Star, Starship Troopers. Right. Um, and that's that's another question that that James was asking me is like is, are they going to bring back anybody from Birds of Prey in Crisis? Because oh that would be great. Everybody is in this thing. I would love to have her show up as as an older Barbara Gordon. Well, that would be fun. Oh 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 no! She shows up. She shows up in the Batman Beyond part, playing Commissioner sure, Barbara sure. Gordon. Sure. I am. Make this happen, dear. That's CW. so good. That would be great. That would be that. She'd be fantastic there. So, do you think? I know we've talked about this before. Um, Kevin Conroy playing Batman Beyond Bruce Wayne or Kingdom Come Bruce Wayne. I think he's playing Kingdom Come Bruce. Wayne. I think he would be great in either role, and and the reason is is that he he physically has the presence. I mean, we're, we're most people are familiar with just hearing his voice, but if you've seen him, he physically has the appearance and presence to play any older version of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Now it would be fun to finally get the Batman Beyond um, world in general. You know, get Terry McGillis, get get the older Bruce Waynes. Uh, the problem is, is that if they do that. Then there will be this like cry and hue for give us the TV show. There is a rumor that the CW is looking at another show to add to the Arrowverse. Batman Beyond would be an Batman Beyond excellent would work. choice. It would work um, if they could if they could make it work. the The problem with that. Of course, the fact that you've got another Batman movie coming out, mm-hmm. which was the reason why we got Smallville instead of Gotham. Yeah, but and I tell you so, what, you know, though. I think they're probably a little bit less restrictive and, and right, yeah. antsy about it now, especially with with Berlanti, because he's proven, you know, he's got a solid track record now mm-hmm. with all of the shows in CW. Right. Despite the fact that Supergirl is a mess, but... Arrow got back on track. The Flash is still going pretty well. So, you know, the numbers are solid. Black Lightning has got a following. And the fact that Black Lightning is now going to cross over into the Crisis storyline. Which is great. Um, Bring it all together. Everything ties in. Mm -hmm. It's all connected here. Plus the fact that you're going to have, 
you know, Burt Ward and Kevin Conroy and maybe Mark Hamill and, you know, all of this stuff. So I think uh, having some sort of a Batman thing is more of a possibility now than there was. Well, and I think... But could, there's could... a tease that Batman may show up on Titans. Well, Batman is showing up on Titans, but it's showing up as... Uh, I can't remember. What's the actor? There's a different actor playing him on Titans. Yeah. Um, as an older Batman. I mean, he's... The actor himself is in his 50s or, or yeah. late 50s, I think. Uh, I want to say he's been in... One of the, I think he's been at least one of the Resident Evil movies. But a lot of people have been on the Resident Evil movies. Um, I'm, I am still looking now. I'm, I'm very curious when you get into something because there's talk about making a new Constantine movie. Uh huh. And Keanu Reeves, I think, has said he would be interested in coming back. Yeah, the problem is, is that I would love to actually see a British. I well, I know who I would want to see play the part. He's on TV right now playing the part. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love to see him. Perfect. In, let let and let them go straight into an R-rated, full-on horror. Let's dive into the fact that Constantine's world is a world of nightmare and terror. Yeah, um, and just dive in. You know, just really lean into. Give him give him the alcoholism and the, and, and the two packs a day. And, who would, who and would the you tragic cast, life? Who would you cast as Zatanna? Ooh, um, Melanie Scarfano from. Uh, um, uh, one on Earth. One on Earth. Really? Yeah. Oh, I could she see... seems like she'd be a little bit older than what I would than what I would see with the character. Oh, I, I think I think she could play it. I think she could pull it off. I I could just be. I want to see her in a top hat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the top hat you want to see her in. I'm standing by my <laughs> my description of her attire that I would like to see her wear the hat. Um, what? <laughs> I I actually had oh the fishnets you're talking about the fishnets yeah right I'm sure it would be fine the there is somewhere in in all of this uh, mess back over here in these boxes I have uh, the beginnings of a pitch for a Zatanna CW show who would you cast um, well. See, that's kind of hard to say now because it's been so long since I've been thinking about this. And everybody is, you know, it's it, there's a whole new slew of performers that are out there now. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that would that's be true. a thing. Um, I think that I'd want to go exotic. Mm-hmm. In terms of a, not an American, playing. sure, right? Yeah. Because Zatanna Zatara, you know, John Zatara, I I could very easily see them being maybe I, I, having somebody of Greek descent maybe playing her. Oh, sure. Um, for for lack of a better example, physically. You know, just from the physicality of it, not from the performance part, but sure. somebody like a Megan Fox type, mm. because you want to get somebody younger to start with, because you know, being a CW show. Sure, sure. But you start, you set it in Gotham, and you started off in Gotham, that which gives you the chance to bring in Black Canary, mm-hmm. and 
Batman mm -hmm. because in some versions of the story, uh, of the character stories, Zatanna is one of Batman's students, one of Batman's protégés, mm -hmm. as, as is Black Canary, the second, the second Black Canary. Um, in some versions of the story, she's also been an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, so, so you have all of those options mm -hmm. if you set the story, if you at least start the story in, in, right, in yeah. Gotham. And, you know, I had this whole idea was she was just basically she's a stage musician, magician. She's just a performer. She's just doing her thing. And her father disappears. And that's the inciting episode uh, okay. for the pilot where now she decides, OK, I'm done with the parlor tricks. Now it's time to get serious with this magic that I know how to do because I'm going to go use it to find my dad. And Batman's like, hold it. Wait a minute. Yes, you're gonna need some help, and and he's he's off in the shadows and the on the sidelines, just kind of pops in every now and again, or 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 Black Canary shows up to help or whatever. Um, but then it becomes a almost almost a a, a, a polar opposite of the Fugitive, mm -hmm. where she's it's it, it becomes a detective quest, right? looking for her father. So it gives you a chance to bring in people like Dr. Fate or the Phantom Stranger or John Constantine, you know, all of these things. And now that you've got Matt Ryan playing Constantine on CW, you could do a Zatanna show. Yeah, you could. I, see, I'd, I would like to see Matt Ryan play the character on film. Like I said, lean into a hard R, make it the, make it, you know, make it scary, really dive in, you know, demons and monsters and all the things. Um, well, actually, what I would really like is now that James Wan to make the Swamp Thing movie mm. and then actually make it start off with the anatomy lesson, which they kind of ended with with the TV show, and then lead into the American Gothic run where it was basically Swamp Thing on a quest. Right. Because what happens is, as you build into this, because they brought in a huge number of the the mystical characters in the DC universe for the, 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 the final bit, the, right. the, the clash between... It was a, what it initially appeared to be the clash between heaven and hell, and then it ultimately became a clash between the darkness that preceded creation and then creation. And so the final images, spoiler alert for a 30-year-old comic, um, is the, the darkness and light of, of the creative process uh, with you know the creator and, and what the creator created things out of. Mm. Bonding together and taking each other's hands. The this is what the, the human mind could represent, right? Sure. And in the process, a lot of DC magical characters got killed off, <laughs> including Zatanna or Zatara. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, in at least one continuity, John <clears throat> is kind of the reason that <clears throat> Zatara is dead. Um, well, that's no surprise. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because John's body count is intentional and unintentional is pretty yeah. significant, um, and so I think that it could you could you could build into these things and then branch off because you could have, you know, the 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 anta somewhat antagonistic relationship that Zatanna and John have had in the comics, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, she has never quite forgiven him. Yeah, quite understandably. But at the same time, they, they're great on the page together. And so you can play with all this stuff. DC, if you want to lean, you know, Warner Brothers, if you want to lean into, you know, you're doing the trench with Aquaman, you're leaning into the horror side of, the, of the, the aquatic side of things. 
do it with the other you got some great horror DC's horror material even in New 52 they were putting out good horror material whether you liked New 52 or not and a lot of people didn't but they were putting out good horror material during that run yeah it wasn't the main uh, stuff but it was the horror the horror stuff was still coming well Well, and that kind of kind of brings us back full circle into the cancellations thing even you know even not even on on TV but in print Hmm. because Vertigo's gone now um, we're gonna get oh the dream the, the Neil Gaiman dreaming line is still going the San, yeah the Sandman universe the Sandman universe and it actually it's getting great reviews and it does lean into the horror side of things as well yeah so Lucifer's part of that run the dreaming um, there's a couple there's like four titles in in the in the set I think uh-huh. um, that they're coming out out of all of the stuff that got canceled we we had talked about um, Alita Battle Angel maybe not yeah. getting a sequel. Um, you talked on Saturday, Guillermo del Toro, saying that Hellboy three is likely yeah, not yeah, ever going to happen gonna, now. But some of that, but some of that is is him. I mean, he's as much as as much as there was a will. Uh, he he had the will. The studio didn't have the will. Yeah. Um, the studio, you know, there's there has been a legitimate, you know, with the with the failure of, and and I have seen the new Hellboy. And I have to tell you guys, it's not that terrible. Yeah, it's not great. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's you know, this is it's a travesty that it was it was critically savaged and because no, it wasn't a travesty that was critically savaged. But I've seen worse movies. I've seen worse comic book adaptations. <laughs> it's it's got a great cast. I mean, it's got it's clearly got some issues. But there's a legitimate part of the fan base that is saying hey guys you know you had this story you could have finished why don't you do it now and fix the problem and at this point del toro's like the the creative landscape has changed yeah everybody's doing this now everybody's doing everybody's doing comic book movies why do i need i i don't need to do that i've got all this other material i can play with have you met my imagination it's an interesting place yeah, i have but all you kinds almost, of things i could do over here but you almost want to have him be a completist and well, finish what he sure. started. Well, but at the same time, you know, the... I mean, the, Perlman's up for doing it. Oh, sure. And honestly, at the st- I, I think that if the studio came to him and said, we're going to do this, we want you to be... To, to, we're we're going fi- to tell, finish telling the story that you set out to tell. He would be on board. But no one's going to do this. Yeah. Because studios... I mean, the economic question, it's, it's going to come down to the economics. And it would be such a crapshoot. Because you're going to have those folks who are going to show up who are going to be there for the complete completion of the story, right. that core fan base. But you can't count on that camp core fan base showing up. You know, at, some point, at some point, Marvel is going to have a movie. Because statistically, they have to. Yeah. That they're going to have. And for whatever reason, whether it's just because it's the wrong month of the year... Or it's just it didn't resonate with audiences for some reason. Quality might be amazing. Performances might be great. There's a lot of reasons movies don't connect with audiences that don't have anything to do with quality. But it might just not be a good movie. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different things, and they're going to have one, and people are going to, and suddenly there'll be somebody in the Marvel studios who who are going to go, "It's over." <laughs> some would say we're broken now. Some would say that they've already had that movie. 
but not when you look at the dollar amounts. And that's no, all they, dollar that's all they but can. See, the but as, long as, is, as long as the dollar amounts are keep coming in. Dollars do not mean quality. And you no, you made mean, the distinction they there. They don't mean quality. And, and the, the movie, thing is. The movie is that, doesn't connect whether it's a good movie or not or a well-crafted movie or not. But it obviously, obviously it connected enough to make the dollar amounts. Yeah. I mean, now, The Last Jedi is pretty. Yeah. But it's a terrible film. But until you reach, but until they reach that point where they're going to sit there and go, okay, you know, they get two in a row. Or they get, or they put out three and two of them don't hit. Yeah. You know, or they put out four and two of them don't hit or something. There's a, there's a part where you sit there and go, okay, you know, two hundred Something in the math. $250 million a picture where we have to make $500 million minimum to make back our yeah. really our production cost and then we need another 500 million to make back our you know mark our worldwide marketing cost these are not cheap pictures to make no. and i think i can't remember who it was but they were talking about it was some i want I, I think it was some i think it was an actor no it was a director i can't remember who it is now it was something in the guardian the uh, british paper um and they were talking about there's two there's two film industries right now there's there's the the blockbuster film industry that everyone goes to see these pictures. They make millions and millions and billions of dollars, right? Yeah. And there's the indie, and that's by indie that incorporates everybody who's doing it on the on the actual independent level, like they're you know making here in Kansas City and it's you know putting out. But we're talking about the films that have a five hundred thousand dollar budget, a million dollar budget, twelve million dollar budget. They're not expecting to make a hundred million dollars. Right. They're happy if they make twenty five million dollars. If they break $50 million, they're over the moon, right? Um, and there's like, there literally is this kind of like two separate worlds. And there are, there are, we're starting to see some of this with, I think Alamo just announced it or AMC did, or, or recently announced it. They're actually going to have a dedicated percentage of their theaters that don't show blockbusters. You know, some, several screens that are like, we are always going to have these screens there for the smaller pictures because Which is a, small, a good move. The smaller pictures get pushed out of the way. Yeah, and when you consider the sheer number of screens we get in a multiplex anymore, and how well, and you stop and consider too that Marvel, uh, as as an example, is putting their material on a, a larger number of those screens. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. to maximize opening weekend. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff gets thrown by the wayside. Sure. It's like, oh well, we're not going to book this movie because we don't have a screen. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the independent movie houses have gone away. Um, we just lost Tivoli here yeah. in Kansas City, which did a fantastic job of bringing smaller foreign pictures. Uh, there are a lot of non-English uh, language pictures that came in. Uh, the Tivoli screened. Um, they did uh, the Frankenstein. Stage production that had um, Johnny Lee Miller and oh, Benedict right, Cumberbatch. Right, right. You know, the two Sherlock's were on. Did a, a, a stage production of Frankenstein where they switched roles. Yeah. Uh, two men show with the monster and, and the creator. Um, they would broadcast some of that stuff from the UK, and you could go to places like the Tivoli and watch it there. It's it's it's, it's almost like it's almost like what you see in the comic book industry right now. Mm -hmm. um, where you have, you know, the independent movie theaters are going away. The, the local comic shops mm -hmm. are suffering and going away. We're probably, you know, they're probably shut down 
you know, a good 50 or 60 every year. Well, until we get the digital, the really get digital numbers. And I don't know how we're ever going to get digital numbers. You know, I saw a thing. I would love to see what digital numbers really are. I saw a thing the other day where Jim Lee mm-hmm. actually in public, on the record, mm-hmm. acknowledged that digital sales were not what they had been hoping they would be. Well, but what does that mean? Well, it means they're not. Well, no, I mean, I mean, literally, what were they hoping they would be? I mean, this is well. What's, see, what's your what's your bar? I mean, because I well, I, that's that's a good question. But the impression the impression that we're getting that people are looking at what he said, yeah. and the impression is digital sales are not at the point where and I think it's they're f- worth. The well, effort to do as much as well, because everybody was sitting there saying, "Oh, digital sales are great. Digital sales, digital sales, digital sales. The numbers mm-hmm. are good. Numbers are good. Numbers are good." Well, it turns out the numbers aren't so good. So, well, but I mean, oh, but again, that, that that depends on what, what what's your baseline and what are you targeting? Because yeah. you know, yes, they may not be, but if your baseline was unrealistic to to begin with, and yeah. you're actually having if if your ideas of of not meeting your goals are you know. But if your if your digital sales are not where they're projected to be, mm-hmm. not necessarily, hey, we really want to sell this much. But if you project X, oh, sure. and you come in at X minus a oh, certain yeah. percentage, plus the fact that physical copies are not selling, well, because the because is. they're going they're going away. The the comics industry is is hurting bad. Well, and I really think they need to... They need to they, and then I, you've got Dan DiDio sitting there going, well, these facsimiles, these facsimile copies, these reprints are selling better than, than what we're doing now. Yeah. That well, should tell you something, but the, Dan! But the thing is, is again, uh, uh, you know, not knowing what these numbers really are, Yeah. I think that if we knew what the numbers are from from a fan standpoint, because honestly, if, if they were expecting a significant chunk of their... And again, I just don't know... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not excusing anything here, right? But if they were expecting that they were going to see two thirds of their market be digital, right? Yeah. And they're really only seeing, you know, it's, it's half and half. Let's. Let's. Just, I'm. I'm just making up numbers here, guys. Right. right. I mean, I don't. I don't know, right? Um, you know, what does that actually mean? You know, what is what? What are the numbers that they're trying to aim for? Because at some point, the re- uh, as much as it pains me, from an economic standpoint. Putting everything out digital only is a hell of a lot cheaper than running it to a press. Yeah, but you're also going to have those people out there who are not going to buy digital. Oh, they I know. Want the I know. Well, book. now I, I'm I, I'm also one of those people who was in the book world when people were you know we were all in that we had that moment of terror. Yeah. When it was like um, the Kindle. The book book industry is destroyed because when is, everyone's gonna want everyone's gonna TV read it gonna on their kill movies. on they're gonna they're gonna yeah. read it on their phone or on their tablet and and thankfully there's apparently is like this hardwired thing programmed into humanity as a species mm-hmm. where we like books yeah we like we like to physically I, hold I have the one thing or two myself a couple of three yeah so do I it's just it's it's great and I'm so happy about that as somebody who is a reader but mm-hmm. also someone who was a book dealer for 15 years I get it I love it but, but I think I think comics that's that's where you get you know we talk about cancellations and all that stuff we're already mm-hmm. starting to see DC is starting to um, cut back yeah. the number of titles they're publishing by about 20 25 percent. Because they're starting to recognize the marketplace is not 
the uh, not the marketplace the model that they have been so fully invested in mm-hmm. is not sustainable and marvel still has yet to pick this up they'll cancel the book and then they'll pick up a new number 1 and then they'll cancel the book and they pick a new number 1 although and i will have to that say and do a new number 1 and it, dear marvel <laughs> the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That said, and you're in that loop right now. That said, um, House of X, the new the new X Men, the two new X Men titles that they're alternating. It's a twelve issue series, two uh-huh. two Jonathan Hickman two series within that. the thing. Um, having read the first two issues, well, the first of of each of the two parts of the story. Right. Um, it's one of the better X Men titles, based on two issues. It could go all it could go all wrong here, really quick. Yeah. Um, but but having said that, um, the, it's two of the best X Men issues I've read in years, which I was really surprised by because I have, I I feel like, I feel like Marvel goes through a period with some of these things like the Fantastic Four or X Men where they really get the characters. They've got a creative team that really knows how to write these characters. Yeah. And then that person leaves for whatever reason. That that artist, that that writer, they go away. And then whoever picks up who's like whatever poor schmuck has been asked to pick up <laughs> this super successful run, right. no matter how good they are, they might be really, really amazing. Yeah. But com- Bendis is gone. Now it's yours. But yeah, but yeah, but yeah. completely the wrong person for the title. Right. And they're just willing to try because they're like, I'd love to write the X Men. That would be great. <laughs> you know, not everybody is is good at that. Yeah. And and but at this particular moment with these two issues, I'm going. Really, tell me more. Give me more of this story because if they can do it right, then suddenly the Marvel and, Universe becomes a much more interesting place to play. And the that's the operative. Phrase oh, yeah. there, if they can do it, and right. that's always a challenge. I mean, you look at something like whoever came, the you look at the John Byrne, Chris Claremont years mm. with X Men, and then you realize that you know after the end of of the, the after the real Dark Phoenix Dark Phoenix saga ended in the eighties. No, well, um, you know, John Byrne is planning on picking all that up and doing a new run on his own with those characters. Picking up right there at that point. I my only concern there is that Chris Claremont did a similar thing mm. uh, five years ago, ten years ago, and I think that while it was interesting, because he picked up his own, because he left the he left the X titles, right, and then he picked up basically there was they had their own little semi continuity thing going on there that he got to pick up later. And I think it was a mixed bag, and and not not to say that it, it wasn't worth doing, but as a reader of those comics during that time period, during that period where this was, you know, the X Men's gl- real glory days, um, when they were really you know, groundbreakingly popular all over the place, um, it it didn't. It was a neat idea that I don't think I don't think quite played out. So I, I, I'm you know I'm not saying don't do it, John. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to sit there and go, yep. I, I shall wait and see. Well, speaking of uh, uh, ideas that are played out, <laughs> we, we've, hit, we've hit an hour and a half now. Which we do. 
So we're going to close out uh, with a reminder real quick that uh, if you are looking to buy stuff uh, that you can then show off at the next event that you go to, you can uh, go to Superhero Stuff, use a promo code SciFi for me 10 and get 10% off your order. Wonderful selection of genre stuff, guys. Really check it out. And, and don't forget... A couple of programming notes here. We we do this show every every Monday night. We have uh, Good Morning Multiverse, which is Saturday morning at 10. And it is during that show that we give you an update on our events list, which is now currently sitting at just over 1,640, 1,648, I think, different events worldwide. We have the largest... Most accurate, most up-to-date, most current list of Comic-Cons, anime conventions, horror conventions, comic book conventions, all, all of them are on that list. And it is worldwide, and we're constantly updating it. Mindy, Mindy maintains that one. And we also have, on Saturday morning, the weather forecast for the next weekend... For all of the cities that are hosting events, so and that's not something you're going to find anywhere else. So it's something it's something I'm pretty proud of that we've been able to do that all of this time, um, in one one iteration, one form or another. Um, but that's that's something. And of course, you know, we always want everybody to subscribe to the shows, so you know, to, to the channel, so you can see the next thing that we post. Right. So we're going to have another episode of Tartar Sauce this week, discussing Doctor Who. Uh, we'll have a new episode of Cosplay Diaries tomorrow morning over on our Instagram channel, so you can check that out. That's a that's first-person accounts of cosplayers' first time doing fill-in-the-blank. Because um, so we've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff here, so... But uh, I'm out of coffee. And... <laughs> That's the end, folks. Right that's there. That's it. That's it. Well, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> kind of like when I do uh, uh, chilling with pineapple Sunday night. When 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 the pineapple's gone, the show's over. <laughs> it's time to go. So it's time to go for us. Thanks very much for uh, for watching. Those of you who are watching uh, during the live broadcast, or if you're watching this later, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when we upload our next piece. And uh, if you're watching on Twitch. Uh, give us follow there, and we will try. We'd love this, to hear from you. Uh, if you are watching on Twitch, we'd love to hear from the, uh, you. Are yes, because yes. this is like I said. This, Jason it, said this is the first simulcast. Yes, between the two, so we'd love to hear from you guys. Our email address for feedback, if you want to send us notes, h two o at sci fi for me dot com. Uh, of course, you can leave us a comment, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Sounds like a plan. All right, thanks for watching, folks. Good night. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.